الحمد لله الحمد لله خالق الوجود من العدم وجاعل النور من الظلم ومخرج الصبر من الألم فملقي التوبة على الندم فنشكره على المصائب كما نشكره على النعم ونصلي على رسوله الأكرم ذي الشرف الأشم والنور الأتم والكتاب المحكم وكمال النبيين والخاتم سيد ولد آدم الذي بشر به عيسى بن مريم ودعا لبعثته إبراهيم عليه السلام حين كان يرفع قواعد بيت الله المحرم فصلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى أتباعه خير الأمم الذين بارك الله بهم كافة الناس العرب منهم والعجم فالحمد لله الذي لم يتخذ ولدا ولم يكن له شريك في الملك ولم يكن له ولي من الذل وكبره تكبيرا والحمد لله الذي أنزل على عبده الكتاب ولم يجعل له عوجا والحمد لله الذي نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبد الله ورسوله أرسله الله تعالى بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله وكفى بالله شهيدا فصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وإن كل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم وقالوا اتخذ الرحمن ولدا لقد جئتم شيئا إدا تكاد السماوات يتفطرن منه وتنشق الأرض وتخر الجبال هدا أن دعوا للرحمن ولدا ما ينبغي للرحمن أن يتخذ ولدا إن كل من في السماوات والأرض إلا آتي الرحمن, آتي الرحمن عبدا لقد أحصاهم وعدهم عدا وكلهم آتيه يوم القيامة فرضا رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقه قولي واللهم ثبتنا عند الموت بلا اله الا الله واللهم اجعلنا من الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر امين يا رب العالمين I uh, specifically ask Allah Azza wa Jal for clarity in speech in a message that I'd like to deliver to all of you and a reminder to myself that is delicate in nature there are two things that I'd like to present a balance in sometimes when you hear somebody speaking and you hear one part of their speech and you ignore or overlook the second part of their speech, then you might come away with an imbalanced conclusion, assuming that they're saying one thing without having understood the, the, the counter side. And that's kind of the delicate balance I need to try and strike today, inshallah. To start things off, to make things simple, there are two components of communication that we have to be mindful of. What is it that I want to say? And how is it that I'm going to say it? There are two separate things. In rhetoric, they call this style and stuff substance. So you can say thank you, that's what you want to say, but the way you're going to say it could sound offensive, thank you. Or you could say it kindly, thank you. But your tone decided, even though the words are exactly the, sp the same, they've been spelled the same way, your tone and the mannerism in which you spoke changed the communication completely. It can turn something nice into something unkind, right? The same way we, by extension in our deen, there is the message of Islam, the message of Islam. And the message of Islam cannot be compromised. Allah Azza wa Jal has revealed his book. He has revealed 
the truth to his messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam the truth is what it is and the truth disagrees with many people when you present this truth the truth of islam the ayat of the quran there are people who don't believe in the quran and obviously they're going to disagree with what we believe now it is what we say that cannot be compromised but how we say it just because it is the truth doesn't mean that we have to say it in an offensive way Actually, the Prophet ﷺ is the perfect balance of both of these things. No one knew anyone with better manners than our Messenger ﷺ. He had makarim al-akhlaq, the most perfect manners of all human beings. At the same time, the Qur'an that he was given, and you have to be clear about this, is extremely offensive to the mushrikeen. It's offensive to their culture. It's offensive to their heritage. In fact, the Qur'an that's given to him is offensive to Christians. It's offensive to Jews. It's offensive to a lot of people. The message of it, the truth of it, contradicts a lot of what they believe. And yet at the same time, the Messenger ﷺ, who from their point of view is saying highly offensive things, still carries the highest mannerisms. Both of those things are balanced at the same time. Now this balance is easily lost. Somebody says, I have the truth, which means I get to be offensive in the way that I present it. The truth can speak for itself. You don't have to raise your voice and yell and scream. It can make its own case. I, my tone doesn't have to change when I'm presenting a message. My, I don't have to get more aggressive. I, the, the, the message can represent itself perfectly. On the other extreme, there are people who say, no, we have to be kind to our neighbor. We have to, be, you know, we have to get along with other people. And in order to get along with other people, we should say nothing that offends them. And therefore, we shouldn't talk about certain things that are in the Quran because it might hurt somebody's feelings. So in the name of being kind, and then they even, you might even find a confused citation of the Prophet ﷺ and say, the Prophet ﷺ was really kind. He was really nice. We don't want to be mean. So in the name of being like the Prophet apparently, let's not say some things that a Christian might not want to hear, that a Jew might not want to hear, that a Hindu might not want to hear, that a Mushrik of Arabia at that time might not want to hear. But this is actually playing with the word of Allah. This is hiding the word of Allah. Who could be more of a wrongdoer who hides testimony he has that has come to him from Allah? So we have to be open, direct, and clear. Now, there's some at this occasion, many kids are off. I see a lot of young people that are in the audience. Many of you go to public school. The audience that I have immediately in front of me, obviously you guys are here in the United States and there are people watching from all over the world. We're all in Christmas season. Christmas is all around us. Christmas decorations are all around us. Houses are decorated. Malls are decorated, right? Christmas jingles are being heard everywhere. Songs are being heard everywhere. People are greeting each other Merry Christmas. People are de you know, uh, uh, dressing up in, in red and green, etc. Right? That's the environment that we find ourselves in. And I want to start from these two opposing forces. First and foremost, Allah, in one of the final surahs that He revealed to the Muslims, Surah Al-Ma'idah, He gave us instructions on how to be the best we can be with our Christian neighbors, in fact. He, he instructed us to go eat with them and invite them over to, to our homes so they can eat with us. is not just an instruction about food or whether or not McDonald's is halal or not. That's not the actual original conversation. The idea behind it was get to know your Christian, and you know, because the Muslims were expanding into the Roman Empire, get to know them, interact with them, 
invite them over to your homes. And when they invite you over, go to their homes. Have good neighborly relations with them. That is Surah Al-Ma'idah. That's the same Surah Al-Ma'idah that includes the testimony of Isa alayhi salam on Judgment Day, who will stand before Allah and, and basically acknowledge that he was never declared the Son of God. So the ideas that the Qur'an rejects of Christianity are in that surah. And the, good, the best model behavior of how to be with our Christian neighbor is also in that surah. They're both together at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. Now, in light of that, I will share with you what I believe to be the most convincing understanding of our interaction with this time of year and any other celebration for that matter. The fact of the matter is that when a civilization or a society or a culture becomes economically and politically dominant, when they become a, a, a powerful force in the world, then their culture and their values and their celebrations get exported to everybody else. So the nations that are dominated, politically dominated, economically dom dominated, educationally dominated, socially dominated, those are the nations that want to try to copy the nations that are on the successful ladder. In fact, when Muslims were at their peak, there were other non-Muslim societies that were copying Muslim traditions. And an interesting study for you guys on your own would be the history of Andalusia and how many Jewish traditions were inspired by them copying what the Muslims were doing. Because Muslims were at their economic, social, political, cultural, educational peak. Now we find ourselves in a time where, for example, for the last century, and I, we don't know how long that's going to last, but for the last century, the United States had a peak in the world. And its music exported itself around the world. Its culture, t-shirts and jeans exported themselves around the world. Baseball hats exported themselves around the world. Its movies exported themselves around the world. They became a cultural phenomenon to be, you know, to be copied. So now you can find Japanese heavy metal rock bands. <laughs> or, you know, it's not an invention of Japan. But you'll find westernized, Americanized clothing being adopted all over the world. And that was the, the world we lived in. And as a result of that, also when Muslims come to countries like the United States or Australia, or they, they go to like Germany or other places like that, where they're a very small minority, they feel like they, you know, they're, they're lower often on the economic ladder. If they're just starting out being a taxi driver or, you know, barely making ends meet or whatever, or they're the only one that looks different in the university, they're trying to fit in. And human beings have in their nature, we want to try and fit in. We want to belong in a society. If this is your home, you've built your home here, your livelihood is here, you don't want to feel like an alien. So now when everybody else is doing something, you feel this gravitational force pulling you into one of doing the same things that they're doing. And then of course, your kids, they're going to public school. And when they're going to public school, all these other kids are talking about what they're going to get for Christmas, how their families are coming over, what, you know, and all this stuff is, and they're getting a tree, they're excited about getting a tree, and then your Muslim child comes home and says, are we getting a tree? Are we going to have a tree too? And then you feel bad answering that question, because you're like, no, 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 we're Muslim. And you're like, oh, Muslims can't have any fun. We don't get to even have Christmas, right? And that's because there's a larger cultural force, and we, we breathe that air in. Just like we breathe oxygen in, we breathe, we breathe the culture in, it impacts us, it affects us. And so in that environment, how are we supposed to respond and how are we supposed to react? First, let's be clear about the ideas. Whether or not, in my view, Allahu A'lam, in my view, even though for the vast majority of people, you could argue that the celebration of Christmas has now just become a commercial holiday. And for a lot of people, it's actually associated, if you dig deep enough, with a lot of stress. 
family's going to come over. We got to cook this, this, this. We got to have this ready. We got to have that ready. There's traffic. There's jams at the airport. There's lots of drinking. There's lots of fighting that's going to happen in the family. There's all kinds of drama that comes along with Christmas. A lot of, in fact, a psychiatrist I was speaking to I, I, uh, told me that they have a spike in people that are hospitalized during Christmas season. And a lot of it is stress-induced. A lot of it is stress-induced. So it's not an easy time even for those families. But on the outside, it looks like it's all celebration and happy times, right? But having said all of that, let's take a step back and first understand what is it that, a, that as a believer, I, I feel for my fellow you know, human being, for my fellow Christian, Jew, whoever else. Allah Azza wa gave me this gift of guidance, the deen of Ibrahim alayhi salam. And in this deen, its most powerful feature is that Allah is one and one alone. And regardless of whether this is about Santa Claus or presents or trees, at the core of it, the celebration is about the birth of Jesus. Wrongly attributed to this date as it is, because it has nothing to do with December the 25th. But regardless, the idea is we're celebrating the birth of our Savior. That's the idea, the birth of our Savior. Someone whose birth and then his life and his eventual sacrifice led to the sins of humanity being cleansed. And the gift of Christian faith was given through this. This is where we fundamentally disagree. The Quran comes and says, you have hijacked the true legacy of Jesus. This is not who Jesus was. This is not why he was born. He did not come to clean you of your sins. In fact, he came to remind you of the sins you had been doing. In fact, he came to cleanse you by telling you to go back and apply the book, the Sharia that was given to Moses, to Musa alayhi salam. And he lived his life criticizing those who abandoned the Sharia of Musa alayhi salam, abandoned the law. And the irony of it, that a few centuries later, people in his name, in Jesus' name said, they no longer have to uphold the law because they're already saved by the blood of Jesus. They're already saved by his sacrifice. So they violated his legacy. And now there's a celebration, an entire festival, the roots of which are the violation of that legacy of our beloved messenger Isa salam. If somebody was celebrating lies made about Rasulullah wasallam, you and I would not be participating in such a celebration. Because at the heart of it, there's a lie about a messenger of Allah. And to us, we honor all the messengers of Allah. We don't say Musa, we say Musa alayhi salam. We don't say Isa, we say Isa alayhi salam. We have an, you know, Allah Azza wa Himself says, وَسَلَامٌ عَلَى الْمُرْسَلِينَ He says, Salam on all of those that were sent. As a Muslim, I have to honor all of Allah's messengers. And a great dishonor to them in my view, in my creed, is if a lie is made against a messenger of Allah. If lies are made about them. If lies are made about Nuh alayhi salam, I stand and defend Nuh alayhi salam. If lies are made about Musa salam, I stand and defend Musa salam. This is what the Quran in fact does on multiple occasions. On multiple occasions. Just to give you a small example, there's a biblical excerpt that some believe authentic in which Jesus yells at his mother. Okay, according to their record, he yells at his mother. And what does the Quran come and do? It defends Isa salam, And I'm good to my mother. He's good to Allah. Allah defends Isa alayhi salam, and restores his honor. The same thing happens, for example, not even with prophets, with other believers. Ashab al-Kahf. Ashab al-Kahf, the people of the cave, they refused to believe in any god other than Allah. And Allah honored them in the Quran. We're not going to call any other god besides Allah. 
We would be saying something absurd if we did that. And ironically, 150 years before Rasul was born, there were already churches established in the name of the seven saints, those same Ashab al-Kahf that we talk about, there were churches, Jacobite churches existing, in which they believed that they were worshippers of Jesus. So they created a shirk around those Ashab al-Kahf and even made churches around them and had celebrations of them. And the Qur'an came and rescued them from that allegation and restored their honor. So I personally, this is I'm not imposing that on you, but as a student of the Qur'an, I have a hard time Telling people like you, I have friends that are Christian. I have dear friends that are Christian. I will. I can't get myself to say Merry Christmas to them. I can't do it. And the reason I can't do it is something in my heart tells me that I cannot be merry about this thing. I can't. I can't get myself to be happy for anyone else, for doing, for being part of something knowingly or unknowingly. Now you can say, No, no, they don't know that. They don't know that. But I asked Allah Azza wa Jal to, to be saved, to be guided in the Fatiha. I asked Allah Azza wa Jal to not be from Al-Maghdubi alayhim, who, who are people who know the wrong thing and do it anyway. And I also asked Allah to not be from who? Al-Dalleen. People who don't know any better and are lost. They're lost. The, the Al-Dalleen are people who don't know. You know, and we, I, I ask Allah's refuge from both. Why would I be happy for somebody else's dalal? Why would I do that? What I do say, and then people come to me and say, but you have to live in America. We have to live here. What do you want us to hate everybody? Yeah, I started by saying, the Quran teaches us to have the best relations with our Christian neighbors. But you know what? I've been living in the same America y'all have been. I didn't go to some like Islamic, I went to public school, I went to college, I worked in corporate America, and all that time, I never said Merry Christmas to anybody, and I've never offended anybody. I've actually said, I hope you enjoy your holidays. I hope you have a good time with your family. I pray that you have a blessed time with your family. I can make dua for them. I can make dua for their guidance. And actually on some occasions, some of those people that I prayed for and that I wished well in this season, they said, well, how come you don't say Merry Christmas? Then I come out and say, because I can't. I just can't say it. Because I, you know, I don't believe that about Jesus. And in fact, I believe it's a horrible lie against Jesus. But if you ever want to talk about that, we can. Really? You believe that? Yep. Yep, I do. Yep. I love Jesus too much. It's making me not say it out of love for him. You just created a conversation opportunity for them to know what you actually believe. Because a lot of non-Muslims, you know what they believe? You believe in some kind of a moon creature. You believe in the lunar calendar. They be you believe in some desert myth. You worship a stone in the desert. They have all kinds of ideas about what you believe. And you just give, you're giving them an opportunity to ask a question while not compromising any of your adab, while not doing any of that. And then comes the idea that we, you know, and, and this is again a, a, a uh, I want to remind myself and you of all of this, the danger of this. You see, the most powerful thing that we have in Islam is our beliefs. That's the most powerful thing we have. Sometimes our actions fail. Sometimes we don't say, we say the things we shouldn't have said. We do the things we shouldn't have done. Our actions are imperfect. We fall short. But you know what? The, the one thing that will bring us back on track is going to be our beliefs. It's going to be our iman. It's going to be the creed. At the, at the heart, at the core of it, the truth that we believe is going to set us back straight. It's going to open up the path of tawbah. Now what happens, let me just give you one example of, in fact, the surah that began 
in the beginning Surah Al-Kahf, we recited every Friday, وَيُنذِرَ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا اتَّخَذَ اللَّهُ وَلَدَ Warn those who say Allah has taken a son. Allah talked about Ashab Al-Kahf. I'll tell you one thing about Ashab Al-Kahf. These young men. These young men escaped a society that wanted them to follow a ritual. In fact, it was a ritual. The, the society they were in, the king was coming and visiting, and they were going to have a grand religious ceremony. They used to believe in the Greek gods, you know, Zeus, Armides, all those gods. They were building huge statues for them, and they wanted all the big families, the millionaire families, to come and participate in the celebration. They weren't asking people to worship that god necessarily, but they have to, be, they have to join the party. They have to join the giant shirk party. These young men belong to millionaire families. So their families have to show up. It looks bad if they don't show up. You know, if you get a political invitation by the king, then all the elites of the, of the area have to show up. And these young men refused to show up, so it became a big thing. They wouldn't participate in this occasion. And then they were, they were asked to explain that, why didn't you show up? And they could have made any other excuse. They said, our people call these gods other than Allah. How come they have no proof for them? They publicly declared what they believe. Their families are embarrassed, the entire society is outraged, and you can't talk like that. You're gonna, that's treason. So they were given a few days to think over their youth stupidity and get their minds straight and come back and apologize for this defiance. And it is in this time that they escaped over and went into a cave. That's what the Quran describes. So when they go into this cave, you know, after many years when they wake up, when Allah miraculously wakes them up, and they're coming, they're, they got hungry, and they got to send somebody back to get food, they said something remarkable that Allah recorded in the Quran. When they were sending one of their own to get food back, he had to be covert, right? Because if they find out who he is, then they're going to catch the rest of them, they're going to get arrested, maybe even get the death penalty. So they said, إِنَّهُمْ إِنْ عَلَيْكُمْ يَرْجُمُوكُمْ If these people overpower you, if they catch you, and they gang up on you, they will stone you to death. Oh, there's another scenario. يُعِيدُوكُمْ فِي مِلَّتِهِمْ They will forcibly return you back into their, in their ways. They'll, let me give you another word, a common American word now, modern English word. They will assimilate you back into their way. Assimilation. They will make you like them. وَلَن تُفْلِحُوا إِذًا أَبَدًا You will never succeed in that case. You will never succeed in that case. It is actually a tragedy that you feel that somehow, you and I feel that somehow having a Christmas tree in your home as a Muslim is okay. Because it's just a tree. It's not just a tree. It represents your colonized mind. It represents your acceptance of a dominant culture, even if their rituals and their celebrations are rooted in something that your Quran so strongly disagrees with, is so offended by, you think it's just, oh, it's just a mistletoe. It's just a tree. No, it's not just a tree. It is an imitation of others who are celebrating one of the worst crimes against Allah, shirk. And if they're doing it unknowingly, it doesn't justify you, the Muslim, who knows better, to do that along with them. And you can get offended by what I say, I'm completely okay with that, because Allah offends with truth. He says, subhanahu wa ta'ala, when they say, When Ar-Rahman, the most loving, the most caring one, he took a son. Because by the way, Ar-Rahman was used here for several rhetorical reasons. The mushrikun denied the name Ar-Rahman. 
But the Christians actually believe that God is love. God is mercy. And it is because of his love and mercy that he had a son that he sacrificed. So they actually use the Rahmah of Allah to justify the shirk. So they, there's a connect, connection made between the Rahmah of Allah and the shirk that is done with Isa alayhi salam. So Allah questions that and says, You have come forward with something horrifying. And then he says this, Subhanallah, تَكَادُ السَّمَاوَاتُ يَتَفَطَّرْنَ مِنْهُ وَتَنْشَقُّ الْأَرْضُ وَتَخِرُّ الْجِبَالُ حَدَّ The skies, seven skies, the skies are almost about to tear open. And the earth is about to split in half. And the mountains are on the verge of collapsing completely. Because of what? Because they say, Ar-Rahman has taken a son. You see, the skies and the earth, understand this point. The skies and the earth, Allah created them in submission to Allah. Allah says, everything in the creation of Allah, every, every, the skies, the earth, the mountains, the clouds, every one of them is declaring the perfection of Allah. Okay? That's the first thing I want you to understand. The second thing, when someone says the word of shirk, Allah has taken a son, then the skies and the earth are actually listening. These creations of Allah that are more Muslim than you and I because they all surrender. All of the creation of Allah is listening to those words. And when they listen to those words, it goes against the khalq that Allah made them, Allah made them to do tasbih of Allah. And they're hearing something that violates the tasbih of Allah, the perfection of Allah. And so they want to not exist anymore because they have to hear this thing. They want to tear open. They want to collapse. It wants, they want to fall apart. And Allah is holding them together. It's, it's as if Allah is describing for the skies and the earth, this shirk is unbearable for them. It's unbearable. How graphic, how, how intense is this description? How offended is the entire universe that Allah created over these words? And for you and I, it's just become, but it's their culture, it's okay. No, you can be kind, courteous, friendly. You can actually pray for them. You can mean well for them. You can do all of that without offending Allah. Without offending your deen. Without offending the legacy of Isa salam. So I don't think this is just a casual thing, personally. If somebody else believes it is, I can respect their view, but I can't find it convincing. And I would argue for our, for, for our kids, especially for our young generation, they need to know the seriousness of what they believe. They, they're, if you instill in them this inferiority complex that their celebrations have to look like other people's celebrations. They have to celebrate the religious holidays of others. Well, if today you have no problem with a Christmas tree in your house, well, if, we, if you live in a Hindu-dominated society and they want to celebrate you know, one of their gods and they just have a little model in their home, then maybe you should have that next year too because it's, it's just an action figure. It's no big deal. You know, it's just some, we're just doing the same thing as that, but we don't mean anything by it. And pretty much eventually you'll have everything else being copied. You'll have a, a flavor of every other religion. And the only thing that will be lost is your own iman. These celebrations are not a small thing. They may be meaningless to others, but every one of these actions is meaningful to us. It's meaningful to us. And turn, you know, turn the tables. I don't even make this argument. Some people say, well, they wouldn't celebrate Eid for you. 
But even if they did, it wouldn't make it right. Even if somebody came and told you Eid Mubarak, good! They told you Eid Mubarak. That doesn't mean that you can now be merry at Christmas. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't change the facts. Allah has given us what He's given us. And in fact, there were people who came to ask Rasulullah questions about Christianity, questions about Jesus, questions about you know, salvation. And an entire clergy came to him. And they stayed in Al-Masjid Al-Nabawi. Look at the beauty of our religion. They stayed in Al-Masjid Al-Nabawi. They prayed to Jesus in Al-Masjid Al-Nabawi. And then they had discussions with Rasulullah and part of Ali Imran was revealed. And then they left. The Rasulullah made da'wah to them and then they left. Our deen is so open and so permissive that for someone to think, unless you become like them, unless you copy their celebration or celebrate their celebration with them, somehow you're not really being a kind person. Somehow you're not accepting. Let me tell you, there's enough, there, enough of this surrender to all else and not enough surrender to Allah. Not, not enough pride and not enough confidence in what we actually believe. In fact, this is the most opportune time. We are, we are nearly one-fifth of the population of the world. The Christianity is the biggest religion in the world. You know what that means? That we have great, every one of us can have a conversation with two, three people. And this is a time where, where Christendom, Jesus, the birth of Jesus, salvation, is on the minds of people. Behind all the gifts and the trees and the mistletoe, this is on their minds. Their faith is on their minds. This is not a time to debate their faith with them, but this is certainly a time to maybe talk to them about what you believe about Jesus. If you, want, if you really care about your neighbor, you would want them to stand in front of Allah successful. At least they should know something. Maybe, who knows what that conversation will lead them to. What did Allah say at the end? This is Surah Maryam of all things, right? Surah Maryam of all things. Well, why, why are we taking this so seriously? Because when this creed was developed, then the idea that I don't have to stand in front of Allah myself was gone. Who's going to stand in front of Allah? Jesus will. He'll take care of me. He paid for my sins. I just have to pay tribute to Him. And then He'll take care of my problem. I don't have to stand in front of Allah and explain myself. How does Surah Maryam end? وَكُلُّهُمْ آتِيهِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ فَرْضًا Every single one of them Every single one of them will come before him, before Allah, alone, individually. This is coming for every one of them. I don't wish that day to be a disastrous day for them. I don't wish for that to happen. I wish good for my humanity. I wish good for them. And I cannot, I cannot serve that good for them if I don't live my faith myself. If I'm shy of and hiding away my own faith. If I can't even stand for it confidently, to the point where they might even ask, hey, what is it that you believe? How come you're not joining? How come you're not coming to the office Christmas party? If you're so afraid to speak up, if you're so afraid, then how will they ever know? And you don't think those same people on Judgment Day are going to say, Ya Allah, Abdul Karim was in the same office. He came to every Christmas party every year. He even bought me Christmas presents. He said Merry Christmas. He was happy for me celebrating Jesus' birthday. He, he never told me anything. I mean, I knew he has a Muslim name. Other than that, I had no idea. You don't think he's, Allah is going to ask us about what we did and what, what we didn't say? He's not going to put us to account? Let's stand up for our deen. Let's be the best neighbors we can be. 
but let's be open about our faith at the same time. And let's not compromise our faith and be a surrendered people. Allah has given us beautiful celebrations that we can celebrate. Allah has given us that. There's no, no, no shortage in our deen. Nothing has been left out. And I pray that we're able to raise a generation of kids that confidently stand for their Islam. And they're not looking at other cultures, other religious values, other, you know, uh, other heritages that have contradictory values to Islam and are hoping, I wish we could be more like them. You know, I wish we could be more like them. Rasulullah warned us, You're going to end up following the ways of those who came before you. Imitation is a pretty scary thing. Don't live a life of imitation. Allah has given us individuality. Allah has given us the power to know that we're going to stand alone in front of Him. So I pray that we're able to instill that into ourselves and into our kids. And we are able to give a loving message about the truth of Jesus, the truth of Isa salam, to our Christian friends and neighbors, those of, us, those of them who would like to have a, a conversation with us. We should be ready and willing to have that conversation in a respectful, kind and loving way. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikri al-Hakim. Alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi al-lazhin astafa khususan ala afdalihim wa khatamin nabiyin Muhammadin al-Amin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in qala Allahu azza wa jal fi kitabihi al-kareem ba'da an aqula a'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan al-rajim inna allaha wa malaikatahu yusallun ala nabiyya ayyuhal lazhin amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima Allahumma salli ala muhammadin wa ala ali muhammad kama sallayta ala ibrahim wa ala ali ibrahima fil alamin innaka hamidu majid Allahumma barik ala muhammadin wa ala ali muhammad kama barakta ala ibrahim وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد عباد الله رحمكم الله اتقوا الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربة وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقم الصلاة إن الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابا موقوتا